me just begin by wishing all of our canvases, those at Vertigris, Stone Canyon, online, especially you guys here at North Garnet, a Merry Christmas. So excited that you decided to join us for Christmas Eve this Sunday. If you would bow with me in prayer and then we'll begin the message. Father, we just thank you so much for your son. We thank you that he came to this earth, that he wasn't just that baby, but that he went to the cross and died for our sins. But it had to start somewhere, and we celebrate his birth today. And we just pray that we're a people who celebrate him, not just during this season, but every season of the year. So thank you so much for Jesus, and it's through his name that I pray. Amen. Well, I want to start by making a statement, and it's this. I don't know what you asked for this Christmas, but I do know what God wants to give you. Every single year growing up, my grandparents would always give us two gifts. They would give us, first of all, a gift that was wrapped and we could open up on Christmas Day when we were kids, normally a toy or something that we wanted. But then they would also give us a second gift, and the second gift was this. You guys know what this is, right? It's a card. Now, getting a Christmas card is a nice thing. If you get one in the mail, normally it means somebody cares about you or they're thinking about you. But you guys know all Christmas cards are not equal because some cards are just cards. Like I said, it's a nice gesture. But other cards are extra special because they contain a little extra in them. And my grandparents, every single year, besides the gift that we would actually unwrap and open up, they would always have a card for us, and inside that card would be some money. And they would say, you can go and spend it on whatever you want to. You can save it for college. We never saved it for college. We spent it right away. But you could use it on whatever you wanted to use it on. That was a gift my grandparents always gave us. Now, as a kid, I was more excited, actually, about the gift that I got on Christmas Day. But as I grew up, especially my teenage years, I wanted the cash. And I came across a video not too long ago of this little boy who got a card with something special in it from his grandpa, and I just love his reaction. Take a look at this clip. What? What is that? Name. Huh? Name. Yeah, notes. Merry Christmas notes. <laughs> <laughs> They're never just notes on Christmas, are they? <laughs> well, since it's Christmas, I better open it like a present. Yeah, yeah. Let me help you with it. I'm afraid you might say the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh, it's a card. Christmas card, there you go. There you go. Yeah, it's got my favorite animal on it. <gasps> $50! <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were a cheapskate. <laughs> you better give him a hug for that. That was mean, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> That's just great, isn't it? I just love that little boy's reaction. Now, typically when you get an extra special card that has something extra in it, it normally contains one of three things. Cash, a check, or what's the other option? A gift card, right? A gift card like this one right here. And you guys know that a gift card is only good if it's used. Now let me give you an example of that. Just the other day I was going through my wallet, cleaning out my wallet actually, and I came across this very gift card I'm holding. It's a Kohl's gift card. And I thought, huh, I wonder where that's from. I 
didn't remember getting it, so I called the number on the back to see how much money was on it, and sure enough, it was a brand new gift card, never been used, it had $50 on it. And so I asked Allison, I said, Allison, do you know what this gift card's from? And she said, I think that's the card that my parents gave you like three Christmases ago. And sure enough, I remembered it was. And so I learned a couple of things. One, my in-laws, they're very nice to me, but two, I need to clean up my wallet more often. And what hit me was, I had this gift in my back pocket that I was just sitting on. I've been sitting on it for the past three years and as long as I sat on it was just a piece of plastic but once I put it to use it was worth so much more a gift card is only good when you do something with it when you use it according to Ford's magazine one billion dollars worth of gift cards go unused every single year a gift card is only good when you do something with it when you use it and I think this Christmas, there's a lesson there for us. As I stated earlier in the message, I don't know what you asked for this Christmas, but I do know what God wants to give you. See, in John 3.16, and we've all heard this verse before, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He what? He gave His one and only Son. What God wants to give us is obvious, and it's not a what, it's a who. God wants to give us His Son. He wants to give us Jesus. And there's a reason for that. Because He sent Jesus to shine as a bright light in the midst of our darkness. But here's the thing. Even though He sent Jesus to shine as this bright light in the midst of our darkness, so many people continue to completely overlook Him, completely ignore Him, even forget about Him. In John 1, verses 9 through 10, it says, The one who is the true light, speaking of Jesus, the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the world, he created, but the world didn't recognize him. It's funny how when John first introduces us to Jesus, he doesn't talk about Mary and Joseph, and he doesn't mention Bethlehem, and he doesn't talk about shepherds or wise men. No, he simply introduces us to Jesus as light, a light that is powerful, a light that penetrates the darkness, a light that we desperately need. But he's a light that we often refuse to recognize. And I think John wants to emphasize throughout this book that he wrote about Jesus called a gospel. He wants to emphasize, don't miss the light that God sent into the world, the light that God sent to overcome the darkness in this world. In fact, over 30 times in John's gospel, John uses this word light to describe Jesus, who he is, and why he came. And I think there's a reason for that, because light has two primary purposes. First of all, light exposes. Even though many people have accepted the darkness around them as the norm, Jesus came to expose the darkness for what it is. He wanted us to know that we didn't have to live like this. He wanted to expose the world's lies for what they are, the lies that the world has sold us. He wanted to let us know that the darkness that so many people have accepted as the norm was not how God originally intended us to live. But second, light also guides. Jesus came to show us a better life. He came to lead us into the life that God intended us to live, the life that God created us to live. My daughter Addie is only eight months old, and when she was first born, Allison decided that she wanted to put her pack and play, Addie's pack and play, at the end of our bed. Now, if you don't, want, don't, know, if you don't know what a pack and play is, it's kind of this 
portable crib or a toddler bed, baby bed that you fold up and take down. It's portable. And so we put it at the end of our bed just in case Addie, you know, was sick and we need to have her close by or maybe she was crying and we couldn't get her to stop crying if she wanted to be close to us or maybe if Allison needed to get ready in the morning. You know, Addie has her own room with her own crib, but this was just in case of an emergency or something going on. If we needed her close by in our room, we could put Addie in her pack and play. And so we set this pack and play up. I was there when Allison did it. I helped her do it. Well, I watched more than help, but still, I was there when Allison set this pack and play up. I know that it's there at the end of our bed, and yet I cannot tell you how many times I have, I've gotten up in the middle of the night, and I didn't want to turn on the light because I didn't want to wake up Allison, and so I had to go to the bathroom or check on the kids, or maybe just had to get up early to go do something, and so I didn't want to wake up Allison, and I walked around the end of our bed, I can't tell you how many times I've run right into that pack and play and I've got bruises on my legs to show it. I've stumped my toe numerous times hitting that pack and play and every single time that I do it, even though I didn't want to wake up Allison, it wakes up Allison because I make this huge noise and she'll say, you ran into the pack and play again, didn't you? And I'm like, yep, I sure did. You know, no, there's no denying it. How many of you guys, let me just see at all of our campuses with a show of hands, so raise your hands no matter what campus you're at so the people around you can see you. How many of you have ever tried to walk in, in the darkness and you've run into something, you've stumped your toe or hit something? Let me just see. Yeah, a lot of us. And you know what that tells me? We've got a lot of clumsy people in our church. It also tells me it's not smart to walk around in the dark. And God saw us, spiritually speaking, stumbling around in darkness he said, I don't want that for my kids. I don't want them just to stumble and fumble around in the darkness. I want to give them a better life, a life that's out of darkness. And that's why Jesus came, because he wanted us to know darkness doesn't have to be the norm. And yet, like an unused gift card, so many of us have this light right in front of us, the light of Jesus, and yet we continue to sit on it and not use it. I don't know what you asked for this Christmas, but I do know what God wants to give you. And today, I want to shine a light on why having Jesus in your life is so important. And in order to do that, I want to walk through God's story for the human race so that we can see our place in it. And really, God's story, God's plan, you might say, for the human race, well, it can be divided up into five five acts, five stages, you might even say five scenes. And the first scene is this, we'll just simply call it creation. In the beginning, God created us, and He created us for a purpose. He created us for three things. And whether you realize it or not, we all long for these three things. Paradise, partnership, and purpose. And in the beginning, we were whole. In the beginning, everything was right. We lived in a perfect paradise. We lived in a place that was free from pain and suffering and heartache and sickness. We lived in perfect peace. But then we also lived in a perfect partnership, a perfect partnership with God. You might say a perfect relationship with God. We lived in harmony with our Creator. And until we live in harmony with Him again, we will always feel like there is something missing. But in the beginning, we lived in this perfect partnership with Him. But then we also lived with perfect purpose. Our lives were full. Our lives were whole. Our lives were complete. We lacked nothing. We wanted nothing. We were satisfied. We lived with direction 
and purpose. But then we disrupted God's story. We took a pen out and said, God, we think we can write a better story. We think we can write a better script for our lives. We think we've got something better than the paradise partnership and purpose you've given us. So that leads us into scene two, which we'll simply call the fall. See, God, God is a God of love. And He didn't want us to be robotic. God knows something that we often forget. God knows that forced love isn't real love. True love is always a choice. Real love is always a choice. And so God didn't want us to force, God didn't want to force us to love Him because He knew that wouldn't be real love. And this was a lesson that I learned early on when I was a little kid. Growing up, I would spend a couple weeks each summer with my grandparents. And my grandma, she loved to watch soap operas. Now, if she's watching this online right now, she's probably upset that I'm telling you this, but she loved to watch soap operas. And I have no idea why they call them soap operas because they're kind of dirty if you ask me. But she loved to watch soap operas and occasionally I would watch them with her or they'd be on the background because at a certain time of day, that's what you watched. And what's interesting to me is there was always the same storyline going on. There was always this one girl on this soap opera who was in love with this other guy and wanted him to love her back, but he was in love with somebody else. And so she would scheme and she would plot and she would plan to try to trick him into loving her, but you know what? It never worked. I remember one time when there was even this girl who tricked a guy into marrying her. I mean, they went to the church and got married, and yet he still didn't love her. Because forced love isn't real love. The Bible teaches real love, true love, is always a choice. And so God wanted us to choose to love Him. And so what he did was he took his plan for paradise partnership and purpose and he laid it before us and he said, you guys choose. You guys choose if this is what you want or not. And we looked at God and we said, God, no, we think we want something else. And so we exchanged paradise partnership and purpose with pain, pride, and poverty. We exchanged eternal joy for temporary junk. And God could have let us stay there. God could have let that be the end of the story. He could have closed the curtain and let us go home after the matinee. But He didn't. He picked up His pen again and He decided to write scene three. And scene three, we'll just call the preparation or the nation of Israel. See, in spite of the fact that we rebelled against God, in spite of the fact that we rejected His love, God still loved us. And so God decided to create a new path for us. And this was a path that would lead us back to Him. Now, it's a path that we would have to choose. He's not going to force us to follow it, but He wanted to give us a path that we could come, so that we could come back to Him. And so God created this people group known as Israel. And He set them apart for the select purpose of preparing the world for His new plan of restoration, His new plan for paradise, partnership, and purpose. And through the ups and downs of this nation, God teaches the world about Himself. And He eventually, through this people group, through this people group, He will bring about His Son. It will be His venue for entering the world. And so out of Israel, 
God brings about scene four. And this is my favorite scene, by the way. My favorite scene so far. We'll call this scene Jesus. God brings his plan to restore the human race into the world through a baby. And not just any baby, God takes on flesh. God didn't send a map for us to follow. God didn't send just a list of commands or rules for us to obey. No, God decided to show us this new path himself. He decided to rewrite our story by interjecting himself into our story. And the Apostle John explains it this way in John 1.14. The Word, speaking of Jesus, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. In other words, God came down the ladder. God opened the door that separated our world and His and He stepped through. The one who fills the universe became a man. The one who created the heavens and the earth became an embryo. Holiness asleep in the womb. Yes, the Almighty pushed against the walls of Mary's belly. The Almighty, think about this, floated around in amniotic fluid. The Creator became part of His creation. The one who made the cosmos was given two eyebrows, elbows, two kidneys, and a spleen. God came down the ladder. And He didn't come as an unapproachable dignitary. No, His first cries were only heard by a scared teenage girl and a sleepy young carpenter. He was first held by hands that were not manicured, but hands that were callous. There, were no, there was no hoopla, no fanfare, no parades in the streets. It was simply angels who watched as Mary changed God's first diaper. The entire creation sat up and watched as God took His first breath and later on learned to walk. God came down the ladder. And the question we need to ask this morning is why? Well, first of all, God came down the ladder because God loves being with those He loves. God couldn't stand us being alone. He couldn't stand us being away from Him. He saw us and He had to come to us. He saw us in our pain. He saw us in our heartache. He saw us in our isolation. He saw us in our sin and it broke His heart and He had to come to us. I often say that God doesn't always explain suffering, but God always surrounds us in the midst of our suffering. Jesus came because God wanted to know us, and He wanted us to know Him. He loves being with those He loves. But Jesus also came because God is willing to do whatever it takes for the ones He loves. God is willing to go the distance to rescue the ones he loves. The name Jesus, we talked about this last week, means the one who saves, the God who saves. God didn't come to be a man just so he could hang out with us. He came to rescue us. He came to save us. Because here's the thing. The holy God cannot permanently live with an unholy people. 
In order for God, the holy God, to live with us, penalty for the sin that we had committed had to be paid. And we couldn't pay it. We didn't have the ability or the means to pay it. And so God became a man to pay the price of our sin for us. He was willing to go to the cross, sacrifice His very self, so that we could get what we didn't deserve. We could be reunited with Him. He was willing to do whatever it took to rescue us so that we could be reunited with Him. My son Alex is four now, but when he was about two and a half, I had to be away for a week or so, and so I didn't get to see him. We got to talk on the phone and FaceTime, but I didn't get to see him, and I really missed him a bunch, and Allison kept telling me how much he missed me. And so I got home at the end of the week, and they weren't there yet. They were out doing something, and I called him and said, Hey, I'm home, and they said, Well, we'll be there in about ten minutes, and so I waited for him. And I waited um, in our house in, in Kentucky. We have a living room up front, a big bay window. You can look out and see the driveway. And so I'm sitting on the couch in our living room just waiting for them to get home. And all of a sudden I see headlights. It's starting to get dark. And they're pulling up the, up the driveway. And Alex sees me inside. And so he starts to say, Allison was telling me this later, Daddy, 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 just over and over again. And so she didn't even pull in the garage. She got right up next to where that window was, got out, let him out, and he immediately ran up to the window where I was. You know, he's two and a half, and so he put his hands up next to that window to see me. And I got down on my knees, and I put my hands up next to the window in order to see him. And he just kept saying, Daddy, I missed you, Daddy, I missed you, Daddy, I missed you. And I was saying it back to him, I missed you too, buddy, I missed you too. And then after a while, he decided to hug me. And so he goes to lean in to hug me, and he hits his face, his side of the face, up against the window. And then he looked back at me, and he started to cry. Because he wanted to embrace me. He wanted to be there with me. And even though we were so close, there was something separating us. So immediately I jumped up and I opened the door and I ran out I got him. I picked him up and he hugged my neck and he just acted as if he didn't want to let go. Because there was something that told us it's not good for us to be apart. And guys, God knew it wasn't good for us to be apart. And for many of you right now, you might be real close to God, but you're still not with Him. You still haven't embraced Him fully yet. He's waiting. He's opened the door for you. The choice is in your hands. See, God wants for you to embrace Him because He created you for so much more than the life that you're living right now. Jesus didn't come just to save lives. Jesus came to save life. Now, I know that may sound like a play on words or maybe just something hokey that a preacher might say, but there's some truth in what I'm saying here. Jesus didn't come just to save lives. He came to save life. Life as God designed it. God's plan for life. God's purpose for life. And I'm telling you right now, you can exist without God, but you will never really live until you embrace Him. You will never experience the life that you were created to live until you embrace Him. And so through Jesus, God recaptures scene one. Through Jesus, God undoes what was done in scene two. Paradise, partnership, and purpose are restored. And that brings us to our final scene, scene five. And I'll just call this last scene restoration. Because Jesus came for the purpose 
of restoring God's creation back to Him. And that creation process, it won't be finished until Jesus comes back when He returns. But that creation process already started, and it started in us. So what that means is we are now living in the fifth act. We are now living in the fifth scene. And what distinguishes us from everyone else living in this world is the joy that Jesus has given us because of the new life we have in Him. We are a people who are here to bring paradise, partnership, and purpose to the world. To the world that's living without Him. And I wonder if sometimes we forget our purpose. I want to do a little game with you as we end. And what I want you to do is I'm going to hold up a nickname of a famous person. And I want you at all of our campuses to shout out uh, who this person is, who, what, what famous person has this nickname. So here's our first one. Are you ready? The boss. Who is it? Shout it out. Bruce Springsteen, right? Okay. Uh, no, it's not your wife. It's Bruce Springsteen. I said somebody famous, okay? Uh, here's our next one. Let's see if you can get this one. The Duke. Who's the Duke? John Wayne, right? Okay, everybody knows that. Now we're rolling here a little bit. How about this next one? The Rock. This one may be a little bit harder. Who's The Rock? Okay, it's Dwayne Johnson, one of the highest paid actors in Hollywood, by the way. Okay, how about this one? One of my favorites. The Man in Black. Johnny Cash. Okay, and then here's our final one. Who's The King? Guys, we're in church. It's not Elvis, it's Jesus. Jesus is the king. Come on, man. I just wanted to see what I was working with there for a second. Jesus is the king. God, come on, man. This church needs some help. All right. Love you guys. Love you guys. <laughs> How easy is it for us to forget Jesus? Especially in the midst of this season. With all the decorations and all the lights and the music that's on the radio and the gifts we got to buy and the trips we have to make, how easy is it to forget the one who came to be the king of kings? Guys, we are surrounded by people every single day who are living on the other side of the window from God. And God's given us responsibility as those living in the fifth act to spread the joy that Jesus has given us, to tell the world how they can have paradise, partnership, and purpose restored. And guys, right now, if that's you, if you feel like you're on the other side of the window, if deep down you feel like you were created for more than what you're living for right now, if deep down you know there's more to life than what you've settled for, God wants to give you Jesus. I don't know what you asked for this Christmas. But can I give you a suggestion? No matter where you are on your spiritual journey right now, Ask for more Jesus in your life. You won't regret it. I guarantee it. Because He, and only He, has the power to penetrate the darkness that's in your life. To invade the sadness of this world with the joy of heaven. Guys, let's have more of Jesus. And as a church, let's go out into our communities... Let's go out into our world and let's make Jesus the light of the world famous. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for coming down the ladder, for coming to live among us, for coming to rescue us. 
And God, we are amazed at how much you love us. But you do. And you couldn't stand being separated from us. So Father, may we not treat you like an unused (laughs) gift card. Treat your son like an unused gift card. Father, we just want to be a people who embrace you and who experience what your son offers us. So Father, thank you so much for Jesus. May we make him famous. May we share his joy with the world. In his name, Christ I pray. Amen.